Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And we're off for another, I would say, fun-filled edition. We've got some really interesting stuff. I've even got a live body in the studio. Can you believe that? Normally I record them. People don't like to come all the way to this side of town. Their passports expire at Louis Buerta. So we got someone really interesting in town. And we're going to be talking about something that... It's it's something that's been going on for years, and it's always been sort of kept to the, the really wealthy guys up on Linksfield Ridge and places like that who had massively expensive homes. But a smart home and, and an automated home is becoming more and more um, possible, and apparently, we'll find out about that a little later, a little bit more affordable. So we're going to be talking... Um, at length with Warren Husband. He's from a company called Homation. And Homation, uh, I think the name's pretty explanatory. So anyway, they do this sort of stuff. But before we get to that, um, news of the week as usual. And guess what? Ecosa, for once, I, I, I did another radio interview, not on this station. And a, a counselor from Ecosa came on and explained what I'm about to explain to you guys. And you know, for once, I was totally in sync. I had to compliment them on, I think, a really smart move. Now, basically, what ICASA popped out on the 7th of August, and uh, it's out for a month's commentary before it becomes law. But essentially, uh, what they said is that data must not expire. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And, I mean, it is a it is a he- a rather nuanced thing. You know, there's no question that the cost of data is a concern for most people. Um, certainly at the lower end of the economic spectrum, the cost of communication is a real challenge. But I think that gets buried underneath a huge problem, and that's a socioeconomic problem. If you've got no money, you've got no money. What you spend it on is a whole different thing. And as much as data is important, I think food and other housing and some other so- sort of more fundamental things are more important. However, what ICASA have uh, proposed is, is, is really pretty interesting. What they've said is that the whole um, data thing, which has become a little bit of a political hot potato for many, many reasons, um, is about to change and should change pretty uh, substantially around about the 7th of September when the uh, commentary period runs out. So essentially what they want operators to do is both for voice, it wasn't just data, it was voice and data, to send out SMS notifications at 50%, 75%, 90%, and 100% once the depletion of your voice, SMS, or data bundle um, has come to the end. So there's no more surprises. The biggest challenge I think most people have got is what they call bull shock. They come the end of the month, you have a look at your bill and it's thousands of rands, or you put 50 bucks on your, your prepaid SIM, and in two minutes flat, it's gone. So... Um, not cool, but now the networks have to um, let you know when you start using up your data and where you are and when you're using up your voice calls and where you are. But even more interestingly, um, what the networks have to do, and I must say that Telcom Mobile are one of the few, in fact, the only at this time, that automatically caps you when you've used up your data bundle. So in other words, you do not go into the standard two rand, one rand, whatever, excessive amount, open you know, charge to your, your, your cell phone. It, it automatically stops, informs you, you can no longer use the internet and you have to either buy another bundle or tell it or tell the network that you want to continue out of bundle. And that is another thing that they said. They have to, 
ensure that all end users are not defaulted automatically to out-of-bundle data charge. That is a little bit ridiculous. It always was ridiculous that when you'd used up your bundle, it's happened to me, it's happened, I suppose, to everybody. You use up your bundle, and the next thing you're getting charged one rand or two rand a megabyte, depending which network you're on. Um, and I think Celsius charge you a fantastic 99 cents, which is a bit of an insult for one cent. They could have kept it at a rand. But anyway, um, you the networks will no longer be able to do that. You have to physically opt in to go out of data bundle. And the last thing that they proposed, which again I think is really smart, is that depending on the size of the bundle, the validity period has to be much more reasonable. So 1 to 50 meg, the validity period is now 10 days, where it used to be one day. 50 to 500 megs, it's now 30 days, and that was variable from one day to seven days. Um, and 500 meg to a gig has to go to 60 days. Now, some of the networks are already there. Some of the stuff does roll over, some doesn't, but they've mandated it. And anything over a gig goes to 90 days, and over 5 gig goes to 180 days, which is 6 months. 10 to 20 gig goes to 12 months, and 20 gig plus goes to 24 months. And I, I, I maintain, I mean, the networks haven't commented, they haven't really got involved, but most of this is actually quite reasonable stuff. The only thing that will hurt their pockets, and they might fight a little against, is the 2 rand per meg out of bundle charges. So, basically, if it costs, if it, if this goes through as it, I expect it will, there will be no more out of bundle charges at all. You will either get capped and your, you, your network, inter, your network connectivity, both voice and data will stop. And then you have to opt in or buy a new bundle, which is great. I mean, it's not a real problem to buy a new bundle today. It can be done through the star triple one hash or star 100 hash. So it's not a big deal, but there'll be no more of this leaked out of um, bundle data, which is, is hectic. I mean, it doesn't take long to spend a hundred rand at two rand a megabyte. That's one YouTube video and a couple of, and a couple of WhatsApp voice calls and bam, it's done. It's gone. So I think this is really smart and I think it's a great move towards a, a fairer way for the networks to work with you. And, um, as much as they say that this, you know, data is a service and you're paying for a service and they're just selling it in megabytes, it, not doesn't feel quite cool at the end of the month. You haven't used your data. You were overseas and uh, boom, all your money or you were out of the country or whatever. Your your data's gone. You paid for it. You never used it. It's gone. So those days seem to be going. And um, I think uh, it's quite a smart little move that Ecosa made. I do believe the networks, as per usual, are going to push very hard. And I think they're quite right about the whole spectrum thing. The cost of data will fall if they're awarded sufficient spectrum. Um, and at the moment, this whole business about this WOAN or, you know, uh, public wireless network um, has has created major uncertainty. Um, and I expect, I just hope that uh, we've got certain YouTube videos going in the background here. Um, I just hope that the networks uh, finally get the, the, the spectrum they need. They really do, and it, it will help to do all sorts of interesting things uh, with data, and it will definitely drive down the prices. Now, moving on, that was, I think, the good news of the day. Uh, no one likes to um, to waste their data. But we have a new streaming service to watch. I've been watching this for a while, and we've discussed this a lot on air over the last little while. Netflix and its ilk um, Showmax and all these various other streaming services are becoming more and more and more mainstream. Probably something we'll talk to Warren about a little as well, because it's one of the reasons why you might need a smart home with hectic uh, fiber. But um, 
a, a company called iFlix, no relation to Netflix. I don't know where they come from, but they, well, I do know where they come from. They come from uh, Hong Kong and uh, they are quite big in that area, but they have just raised 1.8 billion rand to uh, update their streaming service in Africa. Now, they launched a couple of months ago, and apparently they're launching in South Africa in the next few months. But right now they're in Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, Tanzania, and Zimbabwe. Interesting that. That is a useless fact for everybody. Zimbabwe has higher Internet penetration and a higher speed of Internet penetration than South Africa. <laughs> Just saying. Everyone talks about how... Uh, you know, lost the country is. Meanwhile, they can stream Netflix better than you and I. Well, maybe not better than you and I in Johannesburg, but certainly the vast majority of people in the country. So back to um, iFlix, very interesting service. They have a very, I've, I've looked at it from an international point of view. They've got some really interesting product. What they do tend to do is have a lot of local product. So they've got really good local product in every market that they've gone into, far more so than some of the international guys, as much as Netflix are trying. And in certain large territories like Brazil, they're coming out with a whole lot of interesting product. Um, certainly Japan, uh, you know, Taiwan and the, and the East, they're coming out with a lot of homegrown product. But for now, um, you're not seeing a lot of African or African-focused product on their, their platform. And this is where guys like... Um, People like iFlex and Showmax may well have a really good chance because they've got a lot of local content, a lot of locally made content, and um, they're even going to start doing Netflix on everybody. They're going to be producing some of their own exclusive content in the next little while. So watch this place. Uh, it's getting even more and more exciting. iFlex are coming. They've got the money to get going. And... Um, they are definitely launching in South Africa. So by the time we turn around, there are going to be innumerable amounts of services available. And just on that note, what is also of, of great interest is that Netflix content over the last little while in South Africa for the South African version has grown in leaps and bounds. We're no longer such a poor cousin. Still, some ways better to have the American, but local is lecker, as they say. And we'll be back straight after this. <laughs> Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Welcome back. Um, and we continue with some interesting news and, and articles. Unfortunately, I was just mentioning to our studio guest here that August is a terrible month for tech generally. There's nothing happening. The whole northern hemisphere is on holiday, cruising around uh, the Mediterranean or wherever it is that they go to the beach. And... Um, don't tend to release tons of interesting stuff. But what is happening in South Africa is really interesting. A little company called Celsi. Now, everyone's heard of Celsi. They're certainly the number three operator. And for many years, they've been gunning for the other two big guys and are heading. They're not quite getting there yet, but they're wanting to get to 33% of the market, which would give us pretty much um, three big operators. And don't minimize telecom. They're doing quite nicely. They're growing quite fast, and they certainly are taking their share. But Celsi are sitting around about at 20% by lines and about 11 12% by revenue, which just shows that the quality of their um, subscribers is slightly lower than MTN and Vodacom. Vodacom and MTN certainly do have uh, a much higher percentage of contracts, which tend to have a much higher revenue per user, or ARPU as they call it. So that brings in the big bucks. But 
That said, Celsius for many, many years fought a pretty valiant fight at trying to keep be the, the consumer's champion. They came out with so many innovations over the last couple of years, which drove down data and voice prices. And they still pretty competitive across the board. But what was happening because of their their growth because of the nature of telecommunications, which is very much a scale business. Billions of rands, billions of dollars have to be invested in infrastructure, in building out networks, in getting the latest technology to the people. And um, it's an expensive business. And what has happened with Celsi, and this closed as of last week, which is really interesting, is that Blue Label Telecoms, which is uh, headed up by the Levy brothers, just to give a little context with High FM, um, have essentially bought 45% of Celsi and completely recapitalized and changed the capital structure of the business completely. And what it has done is brought down the debt. Now, this is really interesting. Uh, even if you're not an accountant, you don't follow stock, stock market news. The fact is they've brought down the debt from somewhere in the region of 20 billion rand, which is all the money they used for who knows what, probably network expansion, um, down to around about 6 billion rand. And that includes about 2 billion rands worth of bonds, which are hedging the South African rand. Good move that, but this is not an investment show. But the net result is that for the first time since, interestingly, Celsi was started by um, OSHA Telecoms, which still retain a 45% um, share, um, and... Uh, they are now in a position to really do some serious growth because they've got a great balance sheet. They've got some interesting, um, you know, technology that they, they, they're doing. They're still the first guys who do Wi-Fi calling and a couple of other things. So it should be really interesting. And also combined with the strength of Blue Label, and Blue Label made their money out of distributing airtime and other sort of vouchers across the country. So every spaza shop, every guy on the corner selling airtime somehow does business with Blue Label. And Blue Label, interestingly, is one of the major sellers of airtime for all the networks, not just uh, Cell C. Should be interesting to see how that pans out. But for the moment, Cell C and Blue Label are now in bed together, uh, lo- both now fully local companies. And um, let's hope that again brings a lot of competition to the market. A lot of people ask me, you know, <clears throat> what can you do? Should the government step in and regulate the, the cellular market more? Well, apart from what ICAS has done with regard to rules and regulations around data, I believe that, um, as, you, as we discussed last week with uh, telecoms results, they're running with very, very little government interference at this point. Um, the mobile industry certainly does not need any hectic government intervention or uh, in any way to be interfered with by government, it is incredibly competitive. And this just goes to show that that competition will grow. A company like Celsi that's well capitalized um, with some local uh, shareholders of stature and scaled in the business should be able to bring even more competition to to MTN and Vodacom and keep them a little bit more honest uh, and uh, hopefully keep the prices going down. So the last little thing I want to say on that, and this is just a practical advice, and it's not investment advice, it's all about do not sign very long-term contracts. No matter how shiny that phone is, no matter how cool the new iPhone 8 and Galaxy Note 8 that's coming out next month uh, look, it may may actually be better not to sign big long-term contracts, buy the phone, 
via a bank, uh, one of those sort of things, and keep your contract month to month with the networks because I do expect over the next year or so we're going to see some really interesting changes. Telcom have started it. They've now extended it You know, with their free me packages on mobile. They extended it to their free me packages for home and for business, something I didn't talk about last week. They've extended their sort of free calls, unlimited data to business as well at really attractive prices. So the market is changing substantially, and I expect MTN and Vodacom to follow suit and to do pretty much the same thing um, as we go ahead. Now, this is another little interesting tidbit and good news for data users on MTN. I did mention, and there was quite a hoo-ha out in the market, um, my broadband, which is a local uh, tech website and um, become one of the biggest around, did a little test. They took 10 Rand or 15 Rand airtime, stuck it on a prepaid SIM, put those SIMs into three or four identical cell phones, turned off data, or never turned on data, in fact, switched the phones onto Wi-Fi and left them for a week and watched what happened. And lo and behold, the only network that somehow managed to use up half the airtime or the, 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 the money in, on the SIM was MTN. And what they said was that in terms of how LTE works, it's always on, so it's always connecting. And when it connects, even if you've turned off your data, it uses airtime, which is the weakest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And guess what? Named and shamed worked. And as of this week, they say they fixed that thing. We haven't tried it. I'm certainly going to try it. And I have no doubt that my broadband are going to try it as well. But disappearing airtime, I kept saying it's not possible, it's not true. And I was wrong. For the most part, with all the other networks, I was right. But on MTN, I was wrong. They were actually eating your data, even if your data was off. And they said it only affected about 3% of their customers. But even so, all 3% of those customers should get a massive data injection to say sorry from MTN. That was not cool at all, and all they did was eat um, your data up, and for nothing, you didn't have to do a thing. Keep your phone even pretty much off, and they were eating your data. So they fixed it. So please SMS me um, on three four five one nine if you have any of your uh, any you know sort of experience or if you've experienced this type of data leakage or you think that your phone's leaking data and uh, we'll keep track of it let's keep the pressure on the networks to stay honest and on that note we're going to have a quick break for a quick ad break and then we're coming back with tech talk cafe and i reckon a really interesting chat with warren husband of homation about um, getting your smart home on with Stephen ambrose Stephen ambrose well, welcome back. And as we do at this time of the day every Thursday, we are in Tech Talk Cafe where we have interesting people. The one thing I haven't done, and I need to get Nest Cafe to give us a coffee machine so we have a proper Tech Talk Cafe here. So we sip coffee while we chat. But with me in the studio is Warren Husband. Welcome, Warren. Stephen, thank you very much. And he's from a company called Homation. Now, I've known about them for a long while, and I think they're doing a nice job at automating the home, but we'll get to that in a minute. Tell us, give us a little bit of background to what you guys do and how it came about. Because, you know, selling audio, which I did many years ago, um, and smart homes and all that sort of stuff is, is, is something that's gone on for a while. It's not new, but there's a lot happening in that space, as I understand it now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, uh, first of all, thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to get some airtime. Uh, it's always appreciated. Um, Homation as a company, uh, we are the brand ambassadors, import distributors of a, a range of products, um, not just home automation, but uh, you know, the speakers, the amplifiers, the video distribution, networking included, and, and a whole range of other products um, that make a home really cool tech-wise. Um, the company's been around for many years now, uh, well over 10 years, and uh, we are going from strength to strength. Uh, in in all cases, the brands that we represent, we are the sole agents for. Uh, and, of course, while we don't deal directly with the public as a, from a sales installation point of view, we've got uh, dealers or custom integrators, they like to be called, around the country. No, no, and they, need, they need fancy titles. I mean, heaven forbid they install We all do. We all do. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I mean that that includes sub-Saharan Africa as well, um, covering all the way up through Nigeria. Um, you know, we we focus ourselves at the residential realm, so your homes, not necessarily large corporation buildings, etc. Um, and we are premium products. Uh, you know, you're not going to find our products competing in the uh, uh, half our corporation Dion Wired sort of space. We really are uh, higher end retail and custom integrators. So it's it's a custom service because no home is a, is the same as any other home. So every installation is a little bit more I wouldn't say complex but a little bit different to every other to every other installation. So give us a little sense of of what a smart home is, what a connected home does, and the types of products and services. So it's not just speakers all over the show. There's sure. a lot more to this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, starting point from a smart home point of view can be as small or as simple as a universal remote control. You know, getting rid of the 25 remote controls you have in your They've living never room. for me just by the bar. I've tried them all. <laughs> <laughs> they just... <laughs> It's always easier to have five of them on the table in front of you. If if you know what input you need to be on on your amplifier and the TV and all the rest of it. Now, typically in a home, maybe one person knows how to actually use the system. Um, you know, everybody else is just frustrated. It's normally with, a young person. Normally it's actually me, the kids. Yeah, you're 100% <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, it's just making it as easy to use, uh, I like to say, the black boxes mm. uh, as possible. You know, you don't need to worry about, okay, well, hang on, my DSTV is on this input of the amplifier and I've got to be on that input on my TV and, oh, but it, it's no longer coming up. What's the story? You know, so from a universal remote control point of view, just going, I want to watch DSTV and let the one system do the rest. That's exactly it. It's a one-button experience. Um, so, I mean, that's as small as possible with, when it comes to a smart home. Um, but I think what a lot of our, our, our listeners will associate with is the network side of things, which has actually become a big driving point in the home nowadays. You know, it's not so much necessarily, like you say, about having speakers out on a patio. Don't get me wrong. I love that point. But how many of the, our listeners can relate to not having Wi-Fi in, in various areas of the room. I can't check Facebook and my emails aren't coming through and, and all the rest of it. And, and while we're talking about getting fiber to your homes and LTE smart connectivity, it's great to have a hundred megs coming into your home. But if you can only access it in one room of your home, well, that's useless to you anyway. So a lot of smart homes are actually starting up by smart network solutions. So in, in fact, in, in many ways, the, the connected or smart home is all about how well the network's implemented to start. Well, a smart home is only as good as that network backbone anyway, exactly that. Um, and a lot of times we're advising clients, you know, the, the, the free router that telecom comes and installs when they do your fiber installation, yeah, that's fine as a modem. 
but it will never run your smart home. It's just not got the capability, the processing ability to manage the input and output, the data that's transferring through that network. You know, you think we, and we, you mentioned earlier about streaming services and airplay, Wi-Fi through the system. And I'm watching YouTube on my phone and the, the kids are busy doing their homework and the, the average home nowadays is really intense when it comes to the network. It's it's not the home of five years ago. It's not even the home of two years ago exactly in many right. ways. Exactly. So you start with a really good network, and, and we assume that for the best experience, you need a solid fiber or high-speed LTE network connection in general. Yeah, look, I mean, Internet is important is uh, is nice to have not necessarily the critical part of the system the internal network which is something a, a lot of uh, end users will uh, the understanding between internet coming in mm. and the network mm. within the home the network within the home is super critical and what does that enable this is where we get into it what yeah. is it what does it allow you to do in the home, ideally? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, being able to stream music from mobile devices like phones and tablets through to your audio distribution system, uh, streaming video in the, in the case of uh, AirPlay, Apple's AirPlay, uh, again, from mobile devices through to, in most cases, Apple TVs, um, you know, being able to share audio content. You know, in a lot of cases, it's the audio video stuff that's going to put the major strain on the network from a streaming service point of view but in a smart home environment it's actually the the communication between devices that is critical for example alarm systems being able to communicate back to the automation system saying that uh, there's been a, a a trigger an alarm and then the automation system through that network then needs to say well okay let's flash some lights let's uh, bring up a, a an ip camera onto a tv and that whole that whole action comes through the network. So it's critical that the, the, the communication or the path of communication is, is not disrupted by poor quality products. That's a, that's a big thing. So, as I said, give us a couple of examples of the types of services. You mentioned one of them, IP cameras, integration of alarms with, with your home system. Absolutely. So, wh- where would this start? What controls all this? What is the, the hub that makes this possible? So, so Control 4 is the brand that we do at Homation. That's the uh, smart home solution, home automation solution that we uh, import and distribute in the, in the country. Uh, Control 4 is the number one selling automation system, not only locally in South Africa, but internationally as well. And that's as voted by custom integrators and end users themselves. Um, Control 4, if you think of it at its simplest, can be thought of as the uh, operating system of your home. Uh, it's the one app that brings together all the subsystems, alarms, CCTV cameras, audio and video distribution, etc., into one app, so to speak, uh, that will then manage all those devices. Uh, at its core or at its basis, it is a processor that will then basically see and tell devices what to do, when to do it, based on triggers and events, etc. And what do you connect to it? Now you've got this control system, and it's sitting there in the middle, and it's got a decent network. Hopefully the Wi-Fi is working. Absolutely. And in South Africa, a real challenge. We often have concrete walls and concrete floors, mm-hmm. and it's very, very difficult to... Um, to get wires everywhere, mm-hmm. and hopefully your Wi-Fi now is working optimally to sure, every corner. Sure. 
What do you now connect to this and what does it give you and I? What would we expect from the system? Sure. Okay. So in a lot of cases, uh, Control 4 is known as an audio video focused automation system. So they've spent a lot of time and effort making the audio video experience as easy to use for all users of the home, uh, wives and grands and children and, and guests as well. Um, so from an audio video experience point of view, like I mentioned, the universal remote control, think of it like a universal remote control for the entire home. However, in South Africa, we can relate a lot more to the security aspect of a smart home. So I already mentioned the alarm system as an example. Uh, and are, the modern, are the modern alarm systems that you install able to, to do these type of things? I mean, normally they come in, they put a radio and it connects to a call center and you get a phone call, that sort of thing. Are the modern alarm systems capable of doing all these smart things. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, we're not, we're not replacing that integration to a, a CMS or, you know, the security mm. company that's going to be responding. We're purely tapping off of that alarm system to then trigger other events. Uh, so a, a nice example I, I kind of alluded to already would be, uh, you're sleeping at night, your alarm system triggers, control four goes, whoa, this is not the time. So, all right, let's flash the perimeter lights, let the security neighbors and intruders know that we know something's going on. Let's, um, you know, switch on the lighting inside the house. So if you are responding, you, you're not fumbling around in the dark. Let's immediately bring up the IP camera of the zone of the alarm that triggered so that before you even get out of bed, you can, you can see already what's see going what's going on and, and respond. Next door's cat jumping through the window. Hopefully it's just the cat exactly <laughs> right. Um, you know, I've had some weird and wonderful requests, uh, and, and the cat is a good example. Uh, switch on my irrigation system in that zone as well. So if it was a cat, you're going to avoid the trigger again five minutes later when you go, okay, it was nothing and to worry like about. A wet cat to, to upset your evening. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so it's, the point of a smart home solution is to bring together all those services, subsystems uh, into a common, easy-to-use interface that they can then all bounce off of each other. And how ready is the average sort of northern suburbs, more than middle class and above home for this type of thing today in South Africa? Well, look, I think I think it's more and more every day, every month that goes by. Um, most devices that we're buying nowadays are all app controlled. They've got some form of control through your smartphone or tablet, and that pretty much means off the bat they're ready to integrate into a smart home system uh, like Control 4. So so definitely devices are becoming more and more aware, uh, more and more interconnected. We've we've heard the term, we all in this industry love the term, uh, the Internet of Things and, and we'll those devices. We'll talk about that I'm but sure. yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's 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 the way forward. Devices are communicating with each other through the network. The devices are available to control from inside the home and in some cases even from outside the home as well. Uh, and it's it's just the way forward. So your average home nowadays actually probably has more devices ready to connect to a smart system like Control 4 than you might even imagine. And that makes sense. I mean, every TV be above a certain amount of money, and that's not even that expensive today, from five grand upwards, is a it's smart, a smart TV. TV. That's it right. It has a Wi-Fi connection. It has a Ethernet port. You can connect it. It it will do things, stream things, if you have that capability. Exactly. All the tablets, all the phones, all the computers. 
uh, more and more some fridges and washing machines, including, exactly. are starting to become connectable. That's right. And is that exactly what you do? You just hang these things together, connect them, and make them work in a in a coherent way? Absolutely. Look, I mean, part of being a smart home solution, an integration solution like Control 4 is, uh, of course, means integrating with third-party devices. Um of course, Control 4 have their own range of lighting solutions um, and uh, audio-video distribution solutions. In fact, looking at the way the industry is going forward, Control 4 actually purchased a pretty premium enterprise-grade networking solution to include in their portfolio because we realize that networking is the start and finish of any of these of systems. Of any successful install. 90% of the system failures we've ever had to deal with is network-related where you're relying on the cheap or free router that was installed by a telecom or a you know some fiber uh, installation so to ensure that we are able to roll out rock solid reliable solutions uh, control for actually purchased package networking solutions to add to part as part of their portfolio and uh, that way we're able to ensure that systems are rolled out rock solid reliable and never having a downtime and just give us a little sense of the sort of costs involved in this, because for many people, as I said, they see it as like a high-end fancy home with all the bells and whistles and buttons and whatnot and curtains sure. that open and sure. close. And traditionally, this has been an expensive, high-end type operation. Where are we now? Is this, is this now a little bit more approachable? Sure. So the reality is home automation is not cheap, obviously. If it was, we'd all have it in our houses. That that would be a given. Um but it's not as expensive as a lot of people are, or maybe used to, or familiar with. Um, before I answer the question properly, uh, <laughs> I, I like yeah. to. No, how well, much will this cost? But that's exactly it. So I like to use the expression: "Well, how much will a car cost?" You know, it's let's bring it back and go. Well, what type of car do you want? Do you want a simple run around from A to B? Because all of the cars will do that. Or do you want to travel in luxury with maybe a chauffeur? And and the same can be applied to home automation. You know, not every client wants high definition or ultra high definition video distribution throughout the home. That'll bring the cost down. Not everybody wants 25 zones of audio distribution throughout a home. Maybe don't have 25 rooms in a house. So, so the, those determining factors will obviously influence the cost of your smart home system. But I think from around 20,000 Rand, you can get started with a great solution. That would be the universal remote control type of solution to integrate to AV electronics or equipment that you maybe already have, the alarm system that you already have in your home, etc. So it's not completely out of the reach of most people nowadays. That's really interesting. So as a custom, customized type solution, I mean, there's no one size that fits all. Exactly. But essentially starting at essentially the cost of a decent TV, you can connect up all the bits and pieces that you've got and get them going and make them work together in a way that brings a lot of these abilities. Absolutely. And, and how future-proof? I mean, technology changes dramatically. Everyone's talking 4K sure. now, yeah. and the TVs now, all the cables are different, and the distribution things are different. And I've had these questions from lots of people. They don't. They want to know how do they get high definition from there to here. Sure. So technology is, is rapidly advancing. You know, and a home doesn't rapidly advance in the same way. Typically, how do you yeah. protect against sort of technological obsolescence, especially when you're spending 
a lot of money yeah. on, on a platform in your home. Yeah, and that's a fair question to have as well. Um, I think it's important to deal with a custom integrator, first of all, who's got a proven track record, a portfolio of evidence of, of projects they've done before to ensure that, one, you're getting a great installation and solution at the time of purchase, but also a custom integrator who is, you know, forward thinking. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies, while fiber is not necessarily being used internally in the home, currently, a lot of custom integrators are starting to, while they're laying the Cat5, Cat6 cable, while they're laying the, the other cables inside a home, they're, they're just preparing the house with a, a, a fiber connection as well. Um, I'm starting to see that uh, products will start moving towards fiber as the interconnectivity within a home. Um, although I've been thinking that for, for a couple of years now. And, <laughs> that and has we're been still promised cat. for years, but Cat5 is cheap and easy. Cat5, Cat6 is still cheap, easy, and uh, certainly offers the bandwidth capabilities cat, for most sorry, devices. For those of you who think we're talking in, in <laughs> tongues here in a code, <laughs> Category 5 and Category 6 are simply networking cable. It's those little bundles of cable that put plugs at the end. Those are called RJ45s. Right. <laughs> for those people who want to get or talk technical. Um, and, and they just plug in like normal. And it's so easy. But then again, I renovated my house and forgot to put Cat 5 into or Cat 6 into one area, which yeah. happens to be the main lounge with a TV. Mm. So now I'm working on Wi-Fi, which works <laughs> fine. But it's, it's the sort of thing that people don't think about. Are you seeing more and more designers... Uh, architects, people building that stuff in from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. So it, there's definitely a lot more awareness for this with uh, those who are renovating, designing and building homes. Uh, there's certainly a lot more request for this to be incorporated at the design um, and and building of the of the home, you know, of, of course, unfortunately, it's not uncommon to get an end user inquiry. Uh, you know, we've just finished renovating our home, the tiling is done, and we'd like to do smart <laughs> home <laughs> yeah, automation. And gee was well, there we've got to work within the limitations of the home. You know, uh, the retrofit as it, as it yeah, were. No one wants ugly wires all over their fabulous new tiled and painted exactly. uh, extension. So we're encouraging uh, clients to to. If you've even got half a thought of going towards some level of smart or distributed anything, start chatting to a custom integrator as soon as possible. Theoretically, once you've got the plans approved, you want to be chatting with somebody so that you're not disrupting the process, delaying the build or renovation. That's a really interesting point. So if you're doing any form of construction, building a new home, modifying an existing home. Absolutely. It's actually, you get the plumber, you get the electrician, you get the architect and the builder. And now more and more, it's important smart to get home the smart integrator. home integrator, someone exactly. who knows what wires need to go where, or at least the provision Absolutely. for such wires. Absolutely. There's, an, there's a saying in our industry, the most expensive cable is the one you didn't pull when <laughs> you could have. Um, Tell me about so, You so, can't go back. No, exactly that. You can't go back uh, unless you're happy to chop and change and do what you need. Um, but in most cases, you, you want to get this stuff, the infrastructure done as soon as possible to avoid any potential future issues. I can I can really understand that. Now, unfortunately, we've been running out of time. I really wanted to touch on on lighting and that because that's an area that has changed dramatically over Definitely. the last little years with the introduction of LEDs and and the possibilities that's brought. That's and it. I'm sure the automation are having a party with that stuff. There's yep. so many things you can do. But guess what? We've run out of time. So I have one last question for you. Yep. Tell me what your favorite gadget is. Something that you use every day. And uh, really enjoy. I think my fa- favorite 
category of gadgets ah. is, <laughs> is, yeah. the, is the network-based network based audio distribution products. And it's for the exact reason those retrofits, those homes that are already existing, but you've got a client who really wants great quality audio throughout the home, network-based audio distribution allows you to on the Wi-Fi network, share that audio stream across to different devices. So uh, Hios by Denon, that's the one I'd say. <laughs> okay, cool. Great little product plug. And, and, yeah, absolutely. I mean, having lots of music all over the home certainly does help. Well, thank you so much. And Homation, that's, that's exactly right. it, .co.za for .co.za, all H- the information. H-O-M-E-M-A-T-I-O-N. And you can find out everything you want to know about being smart and being distributed and having lots of sound all over and picture, for that matter, all over your house. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll be back straight after this. (laughs) Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, hi there, and welcome back. And it's just a fascinating and huge subject, the whole idea of home automation, the whole idea of smart home. I mean, it started off with just getting video from one room to another, a little bit of audio on the patio, a couple of wires and switches and whatnot. And now it's smartphone, tablet-based, complete control, leave the country, turn turn on uh, your lights and your alarms and see who's at the door and unlock the, the front door if someone wants to come in. It's really come a long way. And it isn't something that it's not quite plug and play. You can't just simply buy these things, plug them in. I think Warren's quite right. You do need someone who really knows their stuff, can help you through this. And um, certainly Homation seem to have a, a good range of products and uh, a good understanding of what needs to be done. But now moving on to my favorite segment, as per usual, I've got to play with a really, really interesting device um, this last week. And at the launch last week of the brand new BlackBerry. Now, here we go again. You, you're probably tired of hearing me talk about BlackBerry because, because, um, I'm a big fan, always have been a big fan of BlackBerry. And, um, they have relaunched a product in South Africa. Now, what is interesting is that BlackBerry themselves have sold off or rather licensed out their handsets. So BlackBerry no longer make handsets. They used to do everything, make the handsets, write the software, manage everything, have all the servers that did BBM in the background, all that sort of stuff. Well, those days are pretty much gone. They've reinvented themselves. We've all talked about and heard about the, 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 the you know, the titans of, of mobile of a couple of years ago, Nokia and BlackBerry being completely taken over and taken out by Samsung and Apple and these guys. But BlackBerry, interestingly, have never actually gone away. They've stayed very, very strong in the, the software and services space. They do a lot of work, interestingly, around automation of cars and car infotainment and other systems. But at the same time, their main focus in the mobile space was on security, on manageability, and on the platforms, which they call BlackBerry Enterprise Server, to manage all these various devices. And at the same time, what they've done is they've transitioned all their Blackberries from the old BlackBerry operating system, which was available on the Bold and so many other devices over the years, to Android. Now, Many have said that's just a cop-out, but I will say something right up front. Android on a BlackBerry is one of the better Android experiences 
Barnman. They've done such deep integration in terms of the hub, the hub which everyone got to know with BlackBerry 10 and even the old BlackBerry, the little red star showing you how many notifications, something that Android lacked, iOS had for years and apparently is coming in the next version of, of Android, but it's available right now with a BlackBerry, along with all the other services and notably, and this is where business certainly has uh, kept the faith with BlackBerry for many, many years, is the security of the entire operation with BlackBerry and using their their sort of integration, their deep integration with Android. The security of their devices is probably some of the best in the world. Now, for many of us who just casually get a few emails, send a few WhatsApps, uh, make a few phone calls, do some social media on their phone, maybe security is not such a, a huge issue. But if you're a business and you are sending business emails to your staff, uh, important information, confidential information, there's no question that BlackBerry are the leaders in many respects. I don't personally know of anyone who does a more comprehensive and uh, more efficient and easy-to-use job than BlackBerry of keeping you know, your personal stuff and your business stuff on the same device, um, oh, you know, safe and secure in quite the same manner. But now back to what their new product is. It's called the Key One. Um, it's a brand new device. It, it's built by a company called TCL Communications, and TCL are the people whom BlackBerry have licensed the manufacture of phones, and all phones going forward will be made by TCL globally. Um, it's being distributed by TCL in South Africa. They're the same people who do Al- Alcatel. Um, so they have a great uh, service support, and in fact, so many people from the old BlackBerry team are now with TCL South Africa. So from a service support maintenance point of view, um, absolutely top-notch, and they know the game really well. So no problem from that point of view. And the key one, they're continuing the proven a couple of other devices which were made originally by BlackBerry themselves. Um, but this is their first brand-new device, and it's a really interesting device. It is different from every other candy bar slab of glass and, and steel and plastic um, on the market because it has one feature that no other high-end, top-end phone has. It has the classic BlackBerry keyboard. Now, I've been using it for about a oh, about a week, and it's <laughs> really taken me a little bit of time to get back to using a keyboard as opposed to using an on-screen keyboard. And two things I've noticed. One, I'm not much faster on the keyboard than I am on an on-screen keyboard, but I'm 10 times more accurate. And the BlackBerry keyboard has the predictive text ability, which you can just flick up on three zones, left, center, and right, um, with words. And its predictive text ability is the best in the business. So from a keyboard point of view, this certainly makes you a lot quicker because you don't have to autocorrect as much. And it just has a tactile feel when you're in in, in, in situations where you can't really look at the screen quite the same way. And my muscle memory has come back tremendously quickly to, to know where all the uh, various uh, keys are. The other thing that they've done, which makes a lot of sense, every single key on the keyboard is a shortcut. So if you want to open up WhatsApp, you just hold down the W key, which is the second key from the top on the, on the left, and up pops WhatsApp, and you can go directly into it. Swipe to any other key, and it's totally customizable and set upable by yourself. And I think that's just brilliant. In fact, one of the demonstrators there had no icons on his screen. There was not one thing on his screen, simply used all the shortcuts. 
It is also extremely well priced. It's exclusive to Vodacom for the next three months. It's under 10,000 Rand cash and packages from 500 Rand depending on what and, 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 you know, depending on what you want to select are, are pretty reasonable. And I'll just run through a couple more features of the key one straight after we've had our quick little ad break. Firefan Tactile with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Welcome back, and I'm just going to round up. I can see our time is flying, and and it's nearly time for me to say goodbye. But I just want to wrap up my review of the BlackBerry Key One. I've been, as I said, been using one for about uh, a week now. Um, it has. I just want to knock out one or two little teeny drawbacks. The first one is one: the screen by phablet standards. I'm, I've got used to 5.5 six-inch screens, and you get really used to having a large screen. Some people don't like it. I particularly do. The screen on this device is a four and a half inch, very high definition screen. It's bright. It's clear. It's sharp. It certainly is good. And the colors are as good as any other um, screen I've seen. And you also, because the fact that you've got a keyboard and you never get an on-screen keyboard, which you can call up, interestingly enough, but you don't need to, you've got more real estate on the screen to scroll through emails. And that's something else I didn't mention. The keyboard is also a mouse. So when you're in your emails, all you have to do is swipe down on the keyboard or swipe up on the keyboard and you can scroll through your emails. Or if you're in a, a, a picture or whatever, you swipe left or right. So it's a full touch mouse, the keyboard, which is really cool. The other thing they've done is into the space bar, they've integrated a fingerprint reader, which is fast, um, really easy to find, and, and pretty logical. So some smart thinking going on there. It uses a mid-range uh, Qualcomm processor, but I've not found it, apart from a couple of odd occasions where I've had to really switch between some games and some videos, I've really not found it to be slow, but it's not quite the same league as the other top-end devices out there. The construction quality is typical BlackBerry. It's aluminium-framed, glass front, and a very nice textured textured rubber back which stops it slipping out of your hand at the back. It also comes with a 12-megapixel Sony camera, pretty similar to what they use in the Google Pixel phone. And I must say, I've been taking some really good pictures with it. And an 8-megapixel front selfie camera. Its only drawback, it's not great in low light, which is uh, can be a little bit of little bit of a problem, but generally takes really excellent selfies. And apart from that, it runs uh, the latest, latest version of Android 7.1.1. Um, and and um, Google, although it's not a vanilla Google install, I must say that on all the Blackberries, the Android Blackberries I've used, every single month there's a security and feature update. So they keep it totally, totally up to date. And they, their skin is very, or their, their rework of Android is very, very minimal. It looks and feels like standard Android. It's fast, it's fluid, it's easy to use. And being full Android, all the apps work, and it still retains the look and the feel and the smarts of BlackBerry. So, for example, in the calendar, it's got an automatic, uh, you know, when you go into a meeting, it automatically goes on to silent mode. You don't have to remember. It's slick. It's easy. The voice quality is excellent. The, the screen quality is great. The camera quality is really good. And it may not be for everyone. If you don't like physical keyboards, this may not be the one for you. If you don't like the slightly smaller screen because of the real estate that the keyboard takes up, perhaps this one's not for you. But for all you BlackBerry fans out there, it has all the good features 
of BlackBerry. They managed to hide some of the fussiness and the, que- the never-ending question asking of Android, which can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, and really, it's a well-set-up, easy-to-use, extremely secure, great battery life. I must say, I get through a full day, easily a full day of heavy use, but Instagramming, Facebook, Twitter all the time, checking my emails, making phone calls, uh, inputting meetings. So all in all, I must say, I'm really taken with a key one. I think it's an absolutely outstanding device. Uh, and I think it's extremely well priced. And with all the, the features, it's totally up to date. It uses the latest USB-C charging uh, port. So, and it quick charges as well. So you can get a really fast charge, I think nearly eight, four, five hours and 10 minutes. So all in all, a right up to date, well presented device. And um, for the BlackBerry fans, I think it's exactly what you've been looking for. It certainly will not <laughs> not disappoint. And on that note, I've just been informed that it's time. We have to end it for the day. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week. We are coming live, I hope, from the Novo show down in Cape Town where they're introducing all their latest gizmos and gadgets. I haven't got their program, so I'm not exactly sure what I'll know by then. But um, we will definitely be back next week, same time, same place, right here on High FM with Tech Talk.